Welcome to Between the Shelves, the premier Savo Library podcast. I am your host, Alex, and this week I am joined by Christina. Hello. Thank you for coming. Um, Before we get into what we're going to be covering in this episode, I just want to thank you, Christina, and Tori, and Steph, and Melissa, and Derek for stepping in while I was away this past month and doing some great episodes. So thank you very much. Sure. Um, so on this episode, it we're going to be talking about Pokemon. Why are we talking about Pokemon? Well, February 27th is, I guess, International Pokemon Day. I don't know if it's national or international, but Pokemon isn't certainly an international phenomenon. I was going to say, it has to be international. That's why we're talking about Pokemon. And I just want to say, like, it's not just us talking about a fandom right out of the bat. Like, this is actually has tie-ins to the library. Let me just pull up my notes right here. So at the library, at Save a Library, we have we have 68 books, 26 movies, and 10 video games all that are all Pokemon related. That's just in Save a Library. On Libby and Hoopla are streaming apps. We have 149 books, 27 additional books in Hoopla, 16 movies, seven soundtracks, and four seasons of the show. So there is a lot of Pokemon content available at the library for free. Pokemon, um, if you aren't aware, I don't know how you can't be aware at this point, um, because it is, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, the most popular franchise of all time. Um, It has surpassed Mickey Mouse, to be the number one highest grossing franchise of all time. I would say Pikachu is probably as recognizable, if not more recognizable, than Mickey Mouse at this point. So it's it certainly has cultural impact, and I think it's worth talking about at least while we approach Pokemon Day. So what better guest to have on this episode than our resident Poke fanatic, Christina. So we're, we're both the same age. I'm not going to say what our ages are, but I will say um, um, our age group was hit particularly hard uh, with Pokemon, the Pokemon craze. Pokemania. Pokemania. <laughs> um, I was about eight or nine, I would say, when Pokemon hit the shores of yes. America, hit American shores and took over. So we were the prime demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just talk about the history of, of Pokemon because I think it is I think it's very interesting so everything I'm about to go over right now I actually learned from a very interesting book that I'm holding in my hand right now called Pure Invention How Japan's Pop Culture Conquered the World by Matt Alt which is also available at Save a Library um, it's a pretty fascinating book it talks it's not specifically about Pokemon but it talks about manga anime all sorts of Japan uh, cultural staples that have found international appeal. And it has an entire chapter on Pokemon, which I'm basically going to summarize for you right now. Christina, please jump in um, when you would like. So Pokemon was created by uh, Satoshi Kajiri. It debuted as a video game in 1996 in Japan um, for the original Game Boy. So in 1996, when it came out, the Game Boy was already close to eight years old at the time which is way past the expiration date of any video game console. So Nintendo was already looking past the Game Boy. They were trying to develop their next console. 
so they weren't really putting much stake in Pokemon being a, a massive hit. They were like, okay, this is just one more thing we can give to the uh, the previous generation while we're, you know, working on on our next important launch. It was if you look at it on paper at the time, Pokemon. It's not a surprise that they were not expecting it to be a hit. It's not a platformer or an action game like Mario or um, Sonic or Mega Man, the, the games that were the big hits at the time. It's a very slow-paced role-playing game. You play as a, a child. You're playing with cute little animals. Um, it's a very, you know, it's a slow-paced game that the stakes are not particularly high. So Team Rocket. Well... <laughs> Well, what is Team Rocket's goal other than remember. to thwart a 10-year-old's? I don't remember what their specific goal in Red and Blue was, but they had just, you know, a general... Nefarious-ness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it was not expected to be a hit. It was, you know, again, released on, like, the deathbed, basically, of the Game Boy. But to everyone's surprise, it became a smash hit, especially with kids who would trade... There was a whole aspect of the game where you could plug in two Game Boys together and trade your Pokemon. So it became extremely popular amongst kids and playgrounds, and then just built and built and built from there. So Nintendo was kind of caught flat-footed by this, so they scrambled to capitalize on this on this success. So they quickly put together an anime show and a manga series that both came out very quickly afterwards, which you can kind of tell by the quality of the animation and everything of the show. Um, And both of these, the manga and the cartoon show and the trading card game, which is a whole other aspect of Pokemon that we can get into, all hit America two years later in in roughly the summer of 98, or earlier, maybe a little bit before that, in, in 1998. One other interesting thing, the video game in Japan, um, it was just Pokemon, but when they released it in America, they split the game into two parts, red and blue, uh, basically to double how much money they were going to make. Because there's effectively no difference between the two games aside from... The uh, types of Pokemon you can catch in them. Yes, the menagerie of animals is kind of, they split the whole Pokemon, uh, all whatever there were, 151, 152 if you count. 151, including you. So they, they basically... made certain Pokemon unique to each game, right? So they didn't force kids to buy two, but if you bought two, you could actually get them all. They forced you to have friends. Yes, exactly. (laughs) If you wanted to catch them all. And this was back in the 90s. This was a time when, you know, you could still play video games and not be antisocial. You could actually... You had to plug your physical Game Boy into another person's Game Boy to trade, so you had to be face-to-face with people and have friends. Uh, so that's all going on 1998. Um, that year they also released the movie, I think, or maybe the following year, the Pokemon movie, which is also a huge I believe the movie was the following year. Okay, so 99. Yes, that's right. Because then yeah. there was Pokemon the movie 2000. Yes, yes. Which was the sequel. So in 1999, just one year later after it releases in America, Pokemon had already earned over $5 billion in revenue which, to put in perspective, is more than the entire rest of the video game industry combined at the time. So it effectively doubled the video game industry's popularity. And it just from there, it just grew and grew and grew to an international phenomenon. There was, it was the cover of Time magazine, Pokemania. Everyone was talking about it. Roger Ebert, the 
film uh, critic was commenting on it, saying how it was, you know, gonna the decline of the decline of yes, exactly, a world society, exactly. Um, So just to just to put it in that into perspective, um, so since 1999, they have released an average of two games a year, at least. Sometimes one, sometimes upwards of five or six games. Um, there's 36 mainline games at this point with I can't including remember. both versions yes um, so I can't tell you how many spin-off games there have been probably just as many um, there are 26 seasons of the show which has been still running from 1996 it just Ash's story just ended actually and they're starting a new do you want to talk about it? I didn't even mention who Ash is. Oh, yeah. Talk? So Ash is the protagonist of the Pokemon TV show. He is a 10-year-old kid who um, gets a Pikachu and takes on the gym system in the Pokemon world, which is where you go and battle for badges and the gyms get progressively harder. It's kind of like go. Boy Scouts where you earn a badge for doing a task, but... In this case, instead the of like... The task is beating somebody. Yeah, it's fighting an adult. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's animal fighting. Yeah. So he his story sort of usually parallels whatever the gen- game generation that we're in. So like the first couple of seasons are him taking on the Kanto League, which is what the area in red and blue is called. And then he goes to the Johto League which is what the area in silver and gold is called, and then continues on through all of the games up until the sword and shield, which is the eighth generation. That's the one where he ends on. And then the newest games, Scarlet and Violet, the anime starts with a new protagonist. Mm-hmm. Is that the where season 26 started? I have or the, no idea. That? Okay. What the num- I, that number is wild to me. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense because I think this year is Pokemon's 27th? The 26th season released in 2023, but I haven't heard of any a 27th season. I'm sure, I mean, they're going to do it. I just, it hasn't come out yet as far as I, my research has <laughs> told me. Um, so yeah, so there's 26 seasons. This is the la- mo- last season was the first one where they changed protagonists. So yes. Ash Ketchum. Yes, Ash Ketchum, because you got to catch them all. Yes. Uh, I love the name. We can talk about the naming in conventions in Pokemon because they're brilliant. Um, so, twenty-six seasons of the show. They do have spin-off shows that I don't. I, I don't know. There's probably half a dozen spin-off shows that I don't even know about. Um, and they had twenty-five movies as well. So it looks like they do like a season, a movie, a season, a movie. Um, one of the movies is live action called Detective Pikachu. Came out a couple of years ago. And I really liked it. I don't know about you. It was uh, it was very fun. It was kind it, of like a noir set yeah. in like a Pokemon universe. It was very enjoyable, except for the fact that seeing live action Pokemon was unsettling. Yes. In a lot of ways. Some of them were pretty disturbing. Yeah, the cuter ones are fine, but... Yeah, it's the Mr. Mimes of the world. Yes, exactly. Um, but I, I liked it. I hope they do a sequel. I'm sure they're, they're working on it because it was a smash um, so I already mentioned Pokemon is the number one most profitable franchise of all time. Do you want to make just a guess of how much it has earned or how much it's worth? Three trillion dollars. <laughs> that's way high, <laughs> but 
Uh, $88 billion is what it has earned. It's just a little off. Um, by, yeah, <laughs> three times, but that's it's okay. So just in comparison, Mickey Mouse and all of his friends, Goofy, Minnie, and the lot, Donald, they have only grossed $52 billion. Including Which, movies? Everything. Uh, Books. And their video game appearances? Yes. Has there ever been a Pokemon Disney crossover? No. That's like some Who Framed Roger Rabbit stuff. Yeah. I don't know. That would be too much. That would be too much metaverses yeah, colliding. Yeah, the Macy's parade. <laughs> um, so after Mickey Mouse, do you know what the next most profitable franchise is? I, this one kind of surprised me. I'll give you a hint. Disney also owns it. Frozen. No. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. Oh, $48 billion. That makes sense. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> um, after he, Winnie the Pooh single-handedly f- is like the entire baby I guess so, you're economy. right. Yeah, I literally put on Winnie the Pooh diapers on my <laughs> child this morning. Um, after Winnie the Pooh, the next largest franchise is Star Wars. Mm. $46 billion. Then comes the Disney princesses, which I don't know how they categorize that. Maybe just like every Disney movie with a princess in it? I don't know. They have very specific characters that are princesses. So that would be the Frozen, I guess, right? Yes, I do believe that they're part of the princesses. Um, that's $45 billion. So Pokemon's double all the Disney princess movies. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Then Harry Potter, followed by Barbie, then Marvel, and Batman is the next most at $29 billion. So... Pokemon is over three times, oh, three times as popular as Batman. That's crazy. So the last thing I have about their history, you can skip ahead to 2016 where Pokemon Go is announced. Their first mobile game that I'm sure everyone in the world has heard about at this point, if not already played. Um, Pokemon Go is the augmented reality mobile game where it kind of synced with your GPS on your phone and you could walk around live in the world and catch Pokemon on your phone and battle other people and things. Um, that is the highest grossing mobile game of all time, unsurprisingly to me. It has grossed over $5.3 billion, and its most profitable year ever was in 2020. Also not surprised by that. Everyone, everything's shut down. You had nothing else to do. Go outside, touch grass, and catch a Pokemon. It earned a billion dollars that year. That's, how, that's crazy. So, Pokemon. I think I've made my case of why it's relevant. <laughs> why do you think it was so impactful? I have some ideas, but I'm just wanna, I'm curious why you think maybe it, it, it has seemed to touch not only generations at this point, but different age groups as well. It's not specifically like a, a millennial thing. No, I think a lot of it has to do with the look of Pokemon, I think that they all just, not, I mean, not all of them. There's one that's a literal garbage bag, but um, there's something very appealing about the way Pokemon are designed. And a lot of the games have a lot of replayability. Definitely. Um, Yeah, very rounded edges, very soft, even like the quote-unquote bad Pokemon are like boulders, which are circles. You know, stuff like that. They're they're very appealing. They're cute. Yeah, even the ghosts are cute. Even too. the ghosts are cute. Yeah, they... some of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a very cute game. It's a very warm game. Like you just kind of want to live in that world. 
I think like why it was so impactful like from the get go, maybe with especially with young kids is the protagonist again is is, ten, is a ten year old, and even though Ash Ketchum was the star of the show, the video game was kind of a nameless protagonist, right? You you literally named the character. Yeah, I think canonically their names are red or blue. Okay. Depending on why. <laughs> but uh, but you could make the character whatever you want. I mean, in the, the graphics are so low quality. If you were a girl, you could probably imagine that it was a, a girl. I mean, no? No. No. Oh, well, it, it just it looks like a smiley face. Like, it's like genderless in my eyes. It's the fidelity of the game is so low. Um, but I don't know. I think that kind of had some appeal to it. And, you know, the game starts, you are playing video games in your bedroom, and then you just get up and decide to go on an adventure, which is literally what you're doing while you're playing the game. And um, the last thing I had like about the video game is, you're again, you're a 10-year-old, but you're given, like, completely autonomy of your world. Like, you are an effectively an adult. Like, you're put on the same level as an adult, which okay, is, like, just, a power fan. They just fan. send yeah. you off on your way unaccompanied as a 10-year-old. Like, you don't have a chaperone. You're just walking around. Exactly. Like, you walk out your front door, and your mom is, like, I don't know, watching TV or something. She's, She's like, like, okay, okay bye, yeah, whatever. Bye. Yeah. So, like, you, you're, you're put on the same level as adults, which is every kid, you know, every 10-year-old wants to be treated like an adult, or they, they think they're an, equal to an adult. So... So that's kind of like a fantasy being fulfilled. And you go around, you succeed based on sort of your wits as opposed to like your strength, which is another thing that kids can kind of relate to where like you're obviously not going to, you know, beat up an adult. But like the fact that you're removed from like direct one-on-one conflicts with other people, you're using the Pokemon as like your extended you know, power or whatever. I think that kind of appealed to kids too. So like it's it's more like, I mean, the game boils down to basically rock, paper, scissors when you think about it. It's just like, you know, fire beats uh, grass, grass beats water, water beats fire. That's like kind of like the the gist of the game. Yeah, I think, you know, it all kind of appeals to that 10-year-old sensibilities. They're very, very cute. And um, there's also like the collecting aspect, which I think everybody kind of likes instinctually. You got to collect them all. There's 150 little creatures you have to collect. And then that kind of grew... I don't know how many there are now. Do you have any idea? I believe it's like a thousand and seven wow. or a thousand and eight, something along those lines. I would have guessed six hundred, but that's insane. Uh, yeah, so I think that's that's kind of like my thoughts with why it was so impactful. I mean, and it is a fun game. The the I think they nailed it with the first game, and every game since then, you can speak to this better than I can, has evolved that formula yeah they there was they got i think they got it right in one basically so let's take a break and because the next thing i want to talk about is our first experiences with pokemon and our favorite merch so so let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk about that and we're back um, so let's talk about like our first experiences with Pokemon. So I, I again, we were about what eight, nine years I old when it came we out. Believe we were nine. Nine years old. Yeah. Yeah, ninety-eight. That's when it would have. Okay, sorry, I just gave away our ages. Um, so what what do you like remember of Pokemania? Like, how did it start for you? So I, 
weirdly, my mom was on a bowling league at the East Islip Bowling Alley. And I would have to go. And they had like a little arcade and there were other children there. And one of the one of the girls I hung out with had an older brother. And he had Pokemon cards. And so she got into Pokemon. And then anytime she got a double of a card, she would give it to me. So I had very slowly amassed like a little mm-hmm. deck of cards that I just carried around in my back pocket. And um, I didn't, that was probably over the summer. And then once school started, everyone was like really into the cards. But for the video games, I, I didn't get, I got the Pokemon Blue for Christmas mm-hmm. with a purple Game Boy Color. Not the clear purple one, the solid purple one. Nice. That's still good. I had a similar experience. So I grew up behind a comic book store, like literally right behind a comic book store. So I'd go there every single day with my dad. And while my dad was chatting up Wayne, the proprietor, about comic books and stuff, I would just be looking through, you know, I had no money. I was just looking through whatever was new there. And Wayne was really good about uh, finding interesting, cool niche things from around the world. So Pokemon started coming out and, you know, I'd see comic books, a poster, you know, little drippings here and there. And I never really paid that much attention to it. And then, um, you know, then, then I started hearing about the trading card game. So I remember in behind his glass case, there was a deck of poker cards, like poker, like, you know, ace, one, two, three, whatever, <laughs> that were Pokemon themed. They saw the back of all the cards had like Pokemon mural, basically. So my understanding was that is Pokemon. That is the game that everyone's talking about. So it was probably like $4. So I saved up like all my whatever quarters at the time. I'm making myself sound like I'm a thousand years old, but like I had no money. So I saved up everything. I bought that deck of cards, which I wish I still had. And I was like, I have the trading card game. And then I go to the playground and everyone has the actual trading card game, not poker cards. And I'm like, oh, whoops. <laughs> so now with that in mind, I would go back to the uh, the comic book store and they had like a, a nickel bin of cards. So I could never afford like a booster pack. So, you know, I might get one every once in a while by like begging my dad. Because the booster packs were like three like- $3 or something. Yeah, they were like four ninety nine or some somewhere around there, which is like you know they may as well have been a million dollars if for an eight year old. So I would get like, you know, not all the time. Maybe once if I was really lucky or really good, I'd get a booster pack. But most of the time, I could beg for a quarter's worth of yeah. nickel cards. So yeah, I had like a bunch of duplicates. I would just get the Pokemon based off what they looked like. I had no idea. That's all you wanted was the cool ones. Yeah, exactly. Fat Pikachu, the best. The best little fat guy. Um, I remember getting, my, my parents are divorced, but I would talk to my dad on the phone every night. And sometimes he would buy me a booster pack. And then I would have him open it and then read me the names of the Pokemon <laughs> that came in the booster pack. Yeah. Because I couldn't wait till it was like his weekend to see them i had to know like yeah did i finally get that charizard <laughs> and i did once which was crazy he was just like yeah oh yeah there's like a charizard here and i was like what <laughs> i don't think i ever had any valuable cards like i think most of my collection I had two charizards was... at one nice. point that i got in booster packs yeah those were those were a hot commodity you could it was probably worth like a hundred dollars even back then 
probably what what they're worth now in mint condition. I mean, I'm not in mint condition. <laughs> I opened I opened a pack that had one in, and it immediately fell underneath the seat in our car. Oh no! So it was all scratched. <laughs> so the trading card game was like. I guess my first kind of introduction. I never really watched the show, like ever, that I can remember. I'm sure I did, maybe the first season, but I was never really into it. It was mostly the trading card game. And then, of course, you take your cards to school. And I remember in my, my, what would it be, elementary school? Yeah. You know, there'd be like a cluster of kids in the corner of the playground who were like not interested in kickball or going on the jungle gym or whatever. They would just be like, showing each other their cards occasionally there'd be a trade which would be a big deal like everyone would like crowd around like oh what are you trading is that a good trade like it was like a big deal i believe that the cards were banned at my school i think but that we had no supervision on the buses so we did all of our trading on buses yeah nice yeah i don't remember any bans happening there i remember like the corner of the playground that there was just dozens of kids Up until I was in at least middle school, because I also remember in middle school when a game came out, maybe Ruby and Sapphire, my friend and I would sit across from each other at lunch. We had to keep our Game Boys under the table because if the lunch (laughs) ate saw, we'd get in trouble. Did you ever actually play the card game, like, the way it's intended to be played? I feel like I was the only one. Like, I remember, like, trying to get my friends to play, and they were just not interested. I don't remember a lot about... I remember trying to learn the rules at one point, and then I remember the little... Like, one of the booster packs came with... Or, like, it was more than a booster pack. I guess it was, like, a a A deck deck to actually play. came with those little damage counters, and... I was obsessed with those. They look like candy. And like I just <laughs> yeah. only cared about those in the game. Like I didn't Interesting. I couldn't I even remember handle. those. Um, so like just to really quickly about the card game, you get these cards that are like your, they're like elements. Like they'd be like a water card or an electricity card or whatever. And that's the cards you spend in the game to use your attacks, your Pokemon's attacks. And I remember like if you got any of those cards in a booster pack, if you don't play the actual game, they're useless to you. If you only care about collecting the Pokemon, so items too. Items, yeah, exactly. Like those, the five cent bin that I'm talking about. Like half of the bin would be those element cards. The um, Milo Toys in Oakdale has a, basically a five cent. It's a, I think it's like a dollar. Or maybe maybe it is five cents. And they just have it's huge where you yeah. can just go through. But now there are like so many different types of cards i never moved past the original run of pokemon um so yeah so the card game was really big and then again like you i got pokemon blue for christmas that year so 98 christmas 98 i get pokemon blue i already had a game boy at that point the original gray brick game boy so i played it on the og I think my brother got red because I I've looked at photos from that year and I'm I'm holding both boxes but I know I didn't get both boxes so I probably just snatched it out of my brother's hand and I remember being obsessed with it like every other game just immediately got pushed into a drawer and forgotten about because that game took over so Pokemon Red and Blue that I still play it to this day it's on my phone it's on like every cell phone I've had since 2006 has had. Game uh, Pokemon Red or Blue on it. 
just to like pick up and play just like a little comfort yeah thing are you the same way do you have it on your phone i don't have it on my phone i do occasionally my preferred game is silver um but i do still have my original blue cartridge it doesn't work (laughs) but i do still have it yeah it's a super comfort comfortable game for me you know it's I don't know. It's just something about it. The music's great. The art, the aesthetic is great. Um, yeah, just like visiting old friends. Yeah. Um, do you have any... So I know you like you like the game quite a bit. Do you have any experiences with the game particularly? The game for me was a very solo experience, so I don't have any... Um, I remember... We weren't, I do, we weren't allowed to play the games at school and we weren't allowed to have the cards, but I remember recess was for like trading rumors about the game and like how to get specific Pokemon and stuff. So like there's the very famous like Mew under the truck thing where you have to use strength to move this weird stationary truck in the game and then you would get Mew because Mew isn't originally... In, there's no way to get Mew in the game. In the wild. In the wild. It was like only through events and like i believe at one point you could send your cartridge to nintendo oh wow for like that was how some of the events worked and they would add it um but also the game was kind of held together by gum so there was a lot of different like exploits that you could do like missing no or you could duplicate any item so talking about our experiences with messing with missing no and how it can corrupt your game mm-hmm. and how it it's corrupted risky. our game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very fond memories of back in the day where, you know, the internet was in its nascent stages and, you know, as a nine-year-old, you didn't have access to it as much as we do now. So most of what we learned was on the play- playground. The playground. playground rumors. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any more any more thoughts on, on Pokemon as a franchise, first experiences, any, any of your favorite merch that we haven't gone over yet other than the game? the cards i do i ha- i mean you are wearing a pokemon shirt right now i am wearing a pokemon shirt and a, and a pokemon pin oh nice who's that oh, that's you nice. my favorite pokemon um so in the original pokemania right i think right before pokemon the first movie came out they came out with this pikachu stuffed animal and you would um press his paws Uh and his cheeks would light up and he would say Pikachu. And it was super cute. They also came out with a Mew version of this that I have for some reason to this day because I love it so much. It does the same thing. You press his paws, he says Mew and his tail waves back and forth. It's so cute. Yeah, don't let go of that. (laughs) That's awesome. It's super stained and gross so nobody would want it. But yeah. Also the soundtrack... For Pokemon, the first movie was an absolute banger. Well, you can listen to it on Hoopla, so check it out. Highly recommend. If you if you love like '90s pop that doesn't quite fit the movie at all, there's like a weird love song on it. And also, is Pokemon to be a master? It's a CD on there. Oh, I don't know. It's <laughs> that has I think a lot of the songs from the anime, which. Are weird like they're you know Brock sings a song about how he's in love with um, Nurse Joy and Officer Jenny um, but there's also a, a Christmas song called uh, 
I don't know the exact name of it, but it's Professor Oak singing. The voice actor for <laughs> Professor Oak singing how he's going to give Santa Claus a Pikachu for Christmas. Aww. And it's very good. What a wholesome franchise. I think that's its staying power. It's, it's just so wholesome. Um, speaking of wholesome, Pokemon had a new show that came out at the end of 2023 called Pokemon Concierge, which we both just finished watching. So we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do our little mini review of Pokemon Concierge to wrap out, uh, to close out the episode. Okay, we are back. So I mentioned it earlier, Pokemon Concierge. It's a new show on Netflix. It's a mini series, I would say. It's only four episodes. Um, it just came out in the end of December. It is unrelated, I think, in any way to any of the other Pokemon things that I'm aware of. It seems like it's a very standalone series. I think so. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, and the other unique part of it is it's not traditional hand-drawn animation like the other Pokemon uh, shows and movies. It's it's stop-motion animation. Um, and it's done by a, a studio called Dwarf Studio. And there's a really interesting documentary, like a mini documentary. It's probably 15 minutes long on uh, YouTube. I'll link it into the uh, the show notes where they talk about how they how they developed the show. And they talk to like the three creators. And uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's like a mix of, it's mostly stop motion animation, but they do have some CGI and uh, traditional animation kind of like for highlight, like highlighting certain things or backgrounds. But it's really, really, really interesting. It's super well done. Um, but anyways, what is it about? Do you want to, can you summarize it? Yeah. So um, I guess a youngish adult gets a job at a Pokemon resort. Her name is Haru. She's had um, a series of unfortunate events happen to her that led her to this point. Um, and she is now working at the Pokemon resort. So it starts on her first day there. And um, she seems to be very type A and has a lot of anxiety and has a hard time adjusting to what the Pokemon resort really is. So. Pokemon Resort is the place where Pokemon and or their trainers come to relax. Um, it's on this big island. It, I guess it's tropical. Yeah, some kind of generic Pacific island. Yeah, and it's just her trying to learn to do this job the best that she can as a Pokemon concierge, which just means she has to make Pokemon happy all day long. So I think each episode is her trying to make someone happy. happy. And in doing so, making herself happy, coming yeah. over her anxieties. Yeah, it's a four-part series. As I said, each episode's, I think, 15 minutes at the most. So you can watch this whole thing like it was one movie. And I have a little conspiracy theory myself. I think this was a planned as a short movie and then they split it up after the fact into four episodes um the reason being um netflix doesn't have an animated short this year for the oscars so i think this was they were planning on this being their animated short film 
in the the fact that it was released in December in Oscar season, like right in Oscar season, like the center of Oscar season, also leads me to believe that. Um, so I don't know why they decided to. I think I, why I think they decided to split it up, but that's my theory at least. And I, I honestly think the animation is really good. Like it could, I think it could have been nominated. Um, so I watched this with my son, who is almost four. He doesn't know anything about Pokemon, but he does have a Pikachu doll that he was gifted by one of my relatives. Um, so the whole time I'm watching it with him, he's like, where's Pikachu? Where's Pikachu? Where's Pikachu? And I think a lot of people watching this might think the same thing because, you know, Pokemon is synonymous. You just with... got to wait. Yeah. And when he finally showed up in the final episode, he was very, very happy. Um, but it, it was funny watching it with him because he doesn't know what Pokemon are. He just thinks he's watching an animated show. So like whenever a Pokemon would show up, he would just say like, oh, that's a seagull. That's a squirrel. That's a seal. You know, he would just be like naming what their like real world counterpart was, which is which is funny. Except Pikachu. He knows Pikachu. Uh, maybe he thinks Pikachu is a real animal. That's We're going to have to have a talk when I get home. <laughs> but uh, it was very cute. He, he enjoyed it. I mean, it's a super cute, low-key, mellow show. Very visually appealing. So, yeah, it's definitely appropriate for kids. Like, maybe intense, intended for kids. Um, they didn't have... My only, like, qualm with it is they didn't have too many Pokemon. Like, there wasn't that much of a variety. I noticed that too, and I was curious if that had to do with how hard it was to make the little stop motion. The puppets. Puppets yeah. for the Pokemon, because some of them are like. Some of them are really detailed. Yeah. Um, and they talk about that in the in the documentary. It's really interesting. So, every Pokemon is is a, made as a puppet, which is fully anim, anthrop, animatronic. Is that right? Um, and. They, like, spent a lot of time choosing the material that they're built out of to suit, like, the texture that they think the Pokemon would have in the real world. It was, like, that was really interesting part of the documentary. Because it's not a claymation stop motion. You know, they're all, like, actual puppets that they build. So, like, they're all different kinds of furs and things and plastics. So, like, the boulders are, like, a more like a resin plastic. And they, it makes it, like, it has, like, a very tactile show like it it feels like you could just reach through your tv and yeah. play with these toys um i thought that was really really well done and uh that one other thing they mentioned is all the human characters in the show they 3d printed all the heads which is how they were able to make like all the different ex- facial expressions and everything I thought that was pretty cool yeah i don't know do you have any other notes about the show in general my next note is how cute was haru's tea set <laughs> oh i saw that and was like why don't i own that tea set um it's like a Pokeball shaped. But it has like a thermometer pot. in it, yeah. so you can tell. Um, I my only other note is that they somehow managed to make a lot of the Pokemon who you don't necessarily think of as cute cute. Like I would never be like, you know who's really cute? Graveler. Yeah. And then they had this super cute Graveler. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Yeah, I had the th- same same impression. I liked him a lot. Um, the one only one I didn't like was like the one that's like a robot i don't know but that's he was like one of the newer pokemon i didn't even know what his name was yeah i think i just don't like him in general the metagross i guess he just didn't fit with that like island vibe the whooper was super cute yeah the one that looks like that my son thought was a squirrel was very cute it's like looks like a furry worm thing kind of like a squirrel 
there is a there is there are two squirrel Pokemon, so I was like, I don't think either. <laughs> I guess a ferret is more accurate. I don't think either of the squirrels were were in. I also like the uh, the Love Boat style end credit song they played. That was very cute. It's like the Love Boat theme song, but they just sing about Pokemon basically. Welcome to the place where you can be yourself. Just try to have fun. That's all you should do. Yeah, it's it was a, it's a cute show. It, you can sit it, do it in one sitting. I did. Yeah. Um, by the final episode, Haru kind of settles into her new life. Um, it's very cute, very like, touching moment at the end that I won't spoil. But yeah, all the it's just a feel good, nice, cozy show. Yeah, super cozy. I watched it yesterday on a snow day with a nice big cup of hot cocoa, and I was like, honestly, this is perfect. Yeah. That's definitely the vibe that you should be going into this. That's like, try to achieve that. That's the ideal way to watch this show. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other closing thoughts? I just, I think it's really definitely worth a watch. If you are a Pokemon of old and, you know, this is only, you can watch the whole thing in 40 minutes. It's like one episode, effectively. It's definitely worth a shot. The animation's cute. The characters are, are well well done. Yeah. Um, just for the animation alone, and I, it looks I hope great. they make an Animal Crossing style Pokemon game like oh. this. I had that was the other note I had. I said um, they should turn this show into a resort management game <laughs> in the style of Animal Crossing meets Viva Pinata, yeah. and it would be the greatest selling game of all time. There, not to get into Pokemon side games, but there are kind like Pokemon um, Poke Park is uh, a game for Wii that came out, which is sort of similar. But but with this cozy aesthetic, not, no, it, no. Like, it needs to be like, yeah, it's the aesthetic of all of the other, like, I think it was, yeah, it's for Wii. So it was a style of like other console based Pokemon games. Yeah. All right, Nintendo, if you're listening, I know you have a new Switch, a new system going to be launching soon. If you want to make a trillion dollars here's what you do launch title uh, yeah quick you need to hop on this quickly <laughs> you take the art style of one of your yoshi games like the ones that are like a craft based where all the characters are like made out of wool or oh, yeah. yarn or something you take that art style you apply it to animal crossing a game that has already been proven successful and then you set it in the world of Pokemon Concierge, an island resort where all your character has to do is make Pokemon happy, maybe have a little garden, manage the hotel. That's it. So, I mean, there probably is going to be a Poke Presents on Pokemon Day where it's where they usually announce their games. So right after this episode right airs. Right after this episode airs. See if, see if that's... Maybe we'll be proven right. Yeah. Okay. That's the, that's the profit steps. That's what you need to follow <laughs> Nintendo, Okay. Um, and we'll take our, our cut. We'll take a donation to the library. All right. That is, I think, all we have for Pokemon Day. I hope everyone goes out there, goes comes to see the library, and checks out your favorite Pokemon video game, book, movie, soundtrack, what have you. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.